Individually, they are a force to be reckoned with. But when they join together, they become Unplugged Radio. Prepare to be swept off your feet as Greg Person, the lover, takes the stage. But wait, what illusion is this? It is no trick. It is Jake Hutton, magician, for your viewing pleasure. Look out! The sensational sensei himself, Mike Rossi, warrior on display. Bow down and grovel at his feet as John Vanas, king, utters his decree. Welcome to another exciting episode of Unplugged Radio. I'm your host, Greg. I'm your host, John. I'm your host, Mike. Right. Yes. And we did it. We made it through another year of podcasting. We're so amazing. 2022. Right? And in a, in a post-Jake world. Right. Oh, yeah. Weird, and scary, slightly less uh, anim- anime and video game centric Jake World. No That's tentacles. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I love how you're getting on board with the tentacle jokes. It's good. Wait, when's Jake's last episode? That's a good question. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Probably could have prepped that. Uh, oh well, it's yeah. been a while. <laughs> four, four, five, six months, probably something like come, that. Come visit anytime. Yeah, yeah seriously. Welcome back anytime. Um, but yeah, it's been a, it's been a good year of podcasting, good year of Kings of War, and um, just kind of nerd media consumption in general. I'd wager, and that's what we're going to get into on this episode, kind of our year in review, and our look forward to twenty twenty three. Yeah, buddy. So let's start things off by going over hobby, uh, you know, and Mike, this might be the segment you have the least to contribute to, but that's okay. You, you will still have some, uh, but you know, what, what did you work on this year? What went across your painting desk and what are you maybe most proud of? Wow. Okay. So I have, uh, if, if, uh, for the most part, uh, I, I cracked out my paints. I started, um, putting, I put paint on minis this year. Hey, Felt good, right? That, I know. Yeah. Um, I ended up uh, starting to work on uh, some STL uh, four shamblers and some earth elementals. And some dogs. Too. And some dogs. Oh, well, dogs, yeah, you get those done. Right? I know, right? you got to get the dogs. Right? You get those done for the masters. Um, but it was good insofar as I was able, I moved. So resetting up the paint station, coming out. The sad news is that I think I alluded to this in the last podcast. My eyes, my I'm really all of a sudden have gotten very far sighted. And so my I can't focus on uh on minis that are close that I that I, when I hold them close, I just cannot get my eyes to focus on on the on the mini. It's really actually quite disconcerting. Time for cheaters, bro. It is. So I today I was at the grocery store. And they had a they had a, a thing of Foster Grants, and I tried on the one and a quarter. I tried on the one seventy five, and I'm trying to figure out like where where I normally put my paint stuff. So I put the put them on in the middle, right, and I'm like, is this far enough? No, nah, it still looks blurry. Let's try the next one up. So I I didn't actually pull the trigger because I'm actually concerned. I need to go to the eye doctor to kind of figure out what's going on. 
but yeah, you know. And I can picture you now at the eye doctor and, you know, they put that machine in front of your face and they can click through the different lenses and they ask you to read the lines, the right. letters off the right. lines, except instead of that, it's a mini held at, you know, <laughs> arm's length in front of you. <laughs> can you make out the facial features now? Oh, that would be is so it better funny. with one or two? That'd be so funny. Right? Again, right. one does, or does two. Does have googly eyes or no? <laughs> it, it, it totally has googly eyes. Everybody's surprised, right? Oh, shit. <laughs> But so that is that is actually the, as they say, the struggle. It is real. Like, do you yeah. wear glasses normally? You don't no, I don't. I yeah, did. So. I did all the way up until the laser surgery. Oh, you had the laser surgery. crisis. Yeah. Right. And right. so when I walked out of there, I mean, I had negative seven in one eye and negative six and a half in the other. So it, essentially what that means is when you wake up, you can't read the clock next to your nightstand. Right. Um, right. But I had it done and I walked out. I had 2020 and 2015. And the guy warned me, he said, you know, in the future, you're probably because your eyes will progress toward farsightedness this right. is going to happen to you and i was like right. the future whatever right? <laughs> i said oh, the future is now oh <laughs> boy the future's here right yeah 48 mm. i know <laughs> my, wife, my wife just yelled myopia is going to happen anyway so you know presbyopia now we know the term there it is i i did go to the eye doctors at one point to talk about getting laser surgery told me basically that but they were like yeah it's just not worth it because you're just going to end up, you know, having problems like that down the road. Right. And my eyesight's not bad enough. I can, I can read something from across the room. I just can't read it clearly. Right. So it's, yeah. it was in a very different than not being able to see the alarm clock next to your bed situation. So, so sure. for me, they were like, yeah, don't, don't take the chance on it. Your eyesight's not bad enough to justify it. Yeah, so, I, I, but anyway, so you need to go to the eye doctors to get a maybe a legitimate assessment to see. They'll be able to tell you exactly what strength you should have or whether yeah. you have like astigmatism as well or something, right? Yeah, I have, I have a slight astigmatism in my left eye that um, is actually manifesting in a little bit of a wonk when I stare at things really close to. And that's, you know, that's not attractive nor cool. So, like I said, it's got to kind of figure out what's going on. And it's funny because now that I have the verve to paint, after all these years of being like, oh, I only paint two minutes at a time. It was really annoying for me to be like, Son of a, I can't. So <laughs> it's like I got the base coat. I got the wash. And I'm like, just starting to pick out the details. And I can't focus on the details. It's killing me. But whatever it is, you know, it's like yeah. that, that Twilight yeah. Zone episode where the world is the world ends and the guy can read all the books he wants and he steps on his glasses. I, right. I mean. At least you picked four shamblers and earth elementals as a starting point, which I, I you know, I know you're not using like the Mantic minis, but I imagine they're still a dry brush friendly model oh, yeah. where it's kind true. of, you know, it's true. organic, natural Absolutely. colors. And, you know, it's not like you're doing sharp, crisp lines. So, right. you know, until you get that corrected, you might be able to, mm -hmm. to still make some progress. Yeah, I'm hoping so. Definitely open. So, but you know, and then on top of that, if you want to encompass other stuff with hobby, yeah, I didn't do a lot of painting, but, um, running the second data winner, um, which has actually taken up a bunch of time. Heck yeah. And, yeah. The and second I, and sold out. I know. Winter, we should say right with a, with a waiting list yeah. that has accrued. So, so yeah, awesome. good yeah, on you. I, I am just really impressed with, um, with just how uh, how responsive the community was, I think I have the sweet spot though, where like at the end of January, nothing is happening, and people are kind of starved for an event where they're willing to hop in the car when it's thirty, you know, less than thirty degrees and probably snowing to head to Albany, New York, right? But 
whatever. I'm reading the room. Yeah, if it works, it works, man. Exactly, right? <laughs> Just go with it. <laughs> Seriously. All right. Awesome. But that's that's what I got. Ah, well, unlike Mike, um, I can see just fine. But <laughs> I have adjusted my painting style this year pretty dramatically. I used to paint, um, I don't want to say the best that I could, but I was going for a certain level of quality before I felt comfortable with a miniature being done. Um, and it would, it would float model to model, but I wanted it to a certain, a certain kind of internal standard. Right. And I have worked really hard this year on abandoning that concept and just painting for the sake of getting things done. Um, so my strategy has changed a lot. I, I remember I was playing a game with my son and I was sitting there playing, maybe I was playing with, with, with Jim or anyway, I was playing a game and I remember thinking as I was looking at the models, uh, from the table, I was like, you know what? I actually don't care what these models look like once I'm playing a game. I care when I'm painting it that it looks perfect, you know, like all the highlights and the right, right place and the details right. are there. And then once I start gaming with it, I'm like, eh, it looks good enough to play a game. Uh, and so I really kind of uh, adapted my strategy to more of the, I don't know if you'd call it speed painting or just just trying to like army paint, like get the get the colors on, pick out a couple of details and call it good enough and then move on to the next unit yeah. or the next army or whatever. So I have painted a lot of stuff this year. I mean, <laughs> for in a previous year, I don't remember what my statistics were, but maybe it was two years ago. I painted like nine models or something like that. It wasn't a good year for me, um, but I and I painted, but just a little bit. They were high quality. And this year I painted, on, dare I say, hundreds of models? Yeah, maybe, uh, but potentially. I, yeah, and if you if you kind of include terrain pieces too, yeah. and and were too, some of the terrain pieces would count as like twenty models, <laughs> right? Exactly, <laughs> right? because painted, of the size. Yeah, I painted three entire forty k terrain sets and multiple armies and and uh, and Kings of War stuff and forty k stuff, and so I've, I've just kind of turned that corner to like uh, I just want to paint my models now, and so this has allowed me to play more games with painted stuff and have variety when I'm playing the games. Um, and so I've been really enjoying that. And I'm on this crusade of 2023 to rip out, you know, an equal amount of stuff. Um, so to that end, actually recently I picked up a set of uh, army painter speed paints and I've, I've used contrast okay. before and I was, I think the contrast paints were okay in places. There was, there was places where they were really great and there were places where I think they fell really short. Um, and the price on them was egregious as well. It's awful. Yeah. It's terrible. But the speed paints were a lot more affordable. I think I paid like $90 for the full set, like the whole line of, of speed paints. Yeah. And I've been really enjoying using them. Like contrast, they are not perfect. Um, they have their issues, <laughs> but they work pretty well for getting something ripped out and painted pretty quickly. Um, and they come in dropper bottles, which I love. And so, yeah, that's that's kind of my go-to now is I'm just, I'm speed painting. And then I, I substitute in acrylic paint colors when I need color I can't get or I need to highlight. Because, like, my strategy is kind of to speed paint most of the unit or models and then pick out, like, three or four details that I want to pop out. So, you know, somebody's facial features or a big, uh, in 40K, a lot of people have, like, power weapons, power yeah. swords. Right. Power sword. I'll paint up the power sword in like glowing colors or something, something like OSL. Um, so I'll spend a, like a, 30 minutes, let's say, on like picking details out, but that's the only like detail work that I'm doing on the whole unit. Sure. Um, 
And it's anyway, it's been a very satisfying experience to just get things done. And because of that, I'm also able to like grab a box, go to the store and buy something or grab a box off the shelf that I have in inventory, if you will, um, and build it and paint it. And it all comes together very quickly. And then like, I'll have it on the table and I'm playing with it in a week or two. And that's, it's, it's been more satisfying than um, spending six months painting a unit and then finally getting onto the table to realize that it gets uh, killed before, you know, somebody shoots it off before you yeah. get into combat. Right? <laughs> that, yeah, that's like the MO, right? Like, your freshly painted unit is definitely the first thing to die in this game. It is it is known. <laughs> right. It really is It really is disheartening, to be honest. Yeah. So, anyway, so that, that's me. It's been, a, it's been a really good year for, for painting and modeling. I've done a lot, and I think in 2023, I will do even more, to be quite honest. Sure. I, I remember you, you cracked out. Um, I, I can't remember what the Legion was at Black Templars or something. I don't know. There's, there's some Space Marines. They, they were dressed in black. With black gold. Legion. Yeah, they were the Black. Yeah, there you go. Black Legion. They looked great. I mean, once again, from uh, I think I know your standard. I know that they weren't to your standard, but all of not. the details, <laughs> but the details that you put in were the right details. My eye went to the right stuff. So the stuff that you are picking out to highlight is the right stuff on the mini. You know what I mean? Ah, uh, yes. Thank you. Yeah, that that I hope I hopefully that comes across because um, it is. I'm trying to. I'm using a lot of zenithal techniques or like uh, under brushing, whatever you want to call it, of like establishing shades before you put color down. Sure. And so it's. I'm. I'm like. I'm not. I don't. I used to highlight. Greg, you. I know you do this. I or Jeff does definitely does it. I don't. I don't paint the undersides of the models anymore. Like if you can't see it, I'm not painting it. Right. And so that's just like a whole time saver of yeah, everything underneath the model is just black and I'm not picking out the colors or dark gray or whatever. Um, and then on the tops, pick out the things that people are going to see. Pick out the glowing gun or the, the magical sword or the, right. you know, whatever. Yeah. Just, it's like a, it's just a strategy and it's a distraction technique. But as long as it's working, then it's a good strategy. <laughs> Agreed. Right. Why must with anything else? Mm hmm. Yeah, and and I, I I I poke fun at Greg a little bit because here he is toiling away at this uh, these forces of nature or this you know beautiful um, not legacy uh, what's it called? classic dwarf army that he's working on um, and he's making great progress busting out these dwarves always you know here I, I got another iron breaker done another thunderer done I'm like right. oh man I would have painted that whole unit in the time you painted that guy. <laughs> It, it is true. It wouldn't have looked as good, though. I mean, it would not have looked. But that's good, the other no, part of it, right? Not. I mean, it's to 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 be honest. One of the things that you have going for you is that your normal standard up until now was so good, right? Just the the muscle memory that you built up over time. Your your idea of doing something fast. Those minis you're putting on the table are like that's as good as it gets for me, right? Because I've, I've lost the muscle memory. I mean, it matters, you know. There, no, there. I think you you hit on something there, Mike. There is a strategy to it, right? And and some of it is is uh, experience, technique, whatever you want to call it. You know, I, I, I was joking about not painting the underside of the models. But in some ways, I'm, I'm making fun of myself there. But I'm also kind of serious that, like, I have, or people I have, gotten better at identifying what parts matter and what parts don't, and then spending your time effectively. Right. Right. And, and right. That's, I think that's an experience thing. I have a, a friend in Germany, a coworker of mine, who just got back into miniature gaming after 20 he played lord of the rings as a kid right and he, he's recently picked up some star wars stuff and he's painting the these legion models and he's you know sending me pictures and he's like how do i do this or you know why am i having trouble with these things and i'm like he just doesn't know <laughs> he just doesn't 
and it's it's not that he's not capable of learning it, but he just doesn't have the techniques to move quickly right. and establish the details that matter and skip the ones that don't. Right. And yeah, there's a there's a technique experience factor there that plays in with being able to move quickly and still have it look reasonable. I understand it's not going to look as good as Greg's stuff is, but it looks sure. re reasonably it looks reasonable good table. Yeah. for the, you know, um, I'm, I'm painting out like a, I'm doing a unit a week kind of. Um, and so for that pace, I think it looks pretty good. Right. Right. No joke. Yeah. So uh, to that point, I would say in 2022, I have reversed john you and i have like reversed uh uh journeys here in in 2020 and <laughs> 2021 was when i like painted this ogre army that for me was very much a speed paint project and it relied heavily on using contrast paint and i did uh some of that undercoating stuff of of like the, the pre-shading where i primed it uh wraith bone which is like gw one of their contrast right. primer colors and then i did a uh, black wash over it and then kind of went back and cleaned up the flat surfaces that got a little murky um with the wash and with just brushing on uh wraith bone and then some areas of the models i would just leave like with just the contrast paint and then others i'd do like one or two layers of highlight on top but the contrast paint takes, you know, it cuts a significant amount of time out because, a ton of time, yeah. you know, um, sure. And, and now I'm full headlong into this dwarf project. And yeah, I'm, you were saying like, a, you know, you're painting a unit a week. I'm painting like a model a week <laughs> and by a model, I mean like one infantry, uh, one dwarf infantry. Um, it, I'm painting a little more frequently now. So it's more like, one and a half or two models per week, but it's slow. And I can't wait to finish this army to go back <laughs> to the, uh, to the speed to, painting method, to the speed painting right. methods, man, because I, and I've said this a number of times to people and including on the podcast, it's like, you know, if you compare, let's say when my dwarf army is done, if you compare my dwarf army to the ogre army, and you look at them side by side and you look at them up close, you would definitely be like, yeah, the, the dwarf army looks better. Um, but when you're oh, playing better. a game, yeah, you're not going to say that right. when you're playing a game, you're more looking at the things that catch your eye are the color choices and the, um, the, like the depth of the shading and highlighting, which you can still get, uh, you know, very good, transition from dark to light on your mini doing speed painting techniques and you know your basing to kind of have a cohesive force and right. so at like the three foot kind of tabletop range they look almost identical and so to get that at least for me to get the better look using my old old tried and true methods it takes so much longer yeah. for it to yeah. look better but and it's satisfying is it that much better <laughs> It, it's yeah. satisfying to get things done and actually it is. Just move move on to the next project. I, and I, I want to. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say. I, I think to your point, I think the mini matters. So the first batch of it does. That you're doing to the super high standard of the the GW Ironbreakers, which are all metal and beard. And I'll yeah. tell you what, 
yours they look great because I know what I'm looking at, but from the table, no one's gonna notice. Like, look, it's silver and beard. Yeah, but, right, the, right. but the Thunderer that you posted today looks gorgeous. Thank you. There's all kinds of different textures. There's all different different colors. There's a lot of space to actually show the face. Like that mini is made for the style that you're doing right now, hands down. Right? It looks so much better. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. The, the so, other, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. The other thing about the speed paint stuff, Greg, is um, you can mix techniques. And, and it can be quite effective. So like recognizing where, uh, what parts of the model or models, like Mike was saying, are, are better for being speed painted makes a difference. You could, you could speed paint most of the model and then go back to acrylics for the pieces that it really didn't work well on and just try to optimize kind of both of the processes together. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and what I wanted to bring up, I recently watched this uh, video on YouTube and maybe lots of people are already familiar with it but i would recommend it's only about a 15 minute investment of your time um the the youtube channel is called the honest war gamer oh no and you're not gonna bring this up are you <laughs> yeah uh, i don't know if this is what you're thinking of i don't and know it, what it is it's a video showing what they they call the slap chop method oh yeah the slap the controversy of that? slap chop i, I don't know that? any controversy about it i'm just what? telling you no i don't i'm not plugged into Okay. Much outside of my own local, right. uh, you know. So, I mean, basically what you see in the video is he takes a miniature and undercoats it with a black primer, dry brushes like a medium gray tone over the whole model, dry okay. brushes a very light gray tone over the more, you know, exposed pieces where the light would fall, and sure. then dry brushes like a white over like the very tips. And then you just, you, that gives you that good transition from dark to light, but it looks like stone. Uh, but then you go over with contrast or speed paint or another similar product. And the end result is really nice. And it's, you know, it's, it's pretty similar to what I was doing with the ogres of like um, doing like the wraith bone primer and then the Nolan oil and then back with the wraith bone but it's more of a you know there's more of a gradation of color before because, you apply the contrast because of the under, or the speed paint because the dry of, brush yeah yeah because of the dry brush and it looks good and it's something that i want to try out with my next project you know once i finish if i ever finish the dwarf army why why is this controversial <laughs> No, I have to know because it really it sounds like it sounds like Zenithal highlighting just with a dry brush. It is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. And so you can do a similar thing with an airbrush. It's just you could do this without having to have the equipment of an airbrush because you just use a dry brush for it. And there's been some new dry brushes that have come on the market recently that have kind of, I think, upped the dry brushing game because they're they're made for miniature dry brushing and they're just better than what was on the market available right. previously. But the controversy over this was around like every hobby YouTuber made a slap chop reaction video where they're like, slap chop, has it changed the game? Is it the new way to paint your miniatures or wow. is it a lie? And <laughs> that's interesting. And so all of these hobby painters were like, yeah, slap chop's fine. Like it, you know, it does its thing. It gives you the undercoating you want, but it's not, um, you know, it's not, it's not really anything new. It's just putting a fancy name on something we've all been doing for ages. And, and yes, so there was a lot of, sure, there was sure. some hate and there was a lot of support also for, Hey, this is just putting a, uh, 
a fun box around a useful technique. That's interesting. But other people hated it. They were like, this is so stupid. Why would you paint your miniatures that way? And Wow. Yeah. So it got like every single hobby YouTube channel said something about Slapjob. Huh. Oh, okay. Well, I don't really watch YouTube or hobby YouTube. I just, <laughs> it just did happen across right? <laughs> this one. If and I was like, it. oh, yeah, that's that's a thing. I. I did think to myself, you know, they're trying to coin a term for something that already existed. They didn't really invent, but, you know, it. Uh, anyway. Yeah, yeah, totally. So totally. my point is in, in the project I have now with my, um, you know, this classic dwarf range, I, I'm going to keep going because this is kind of how I've always envisioned having a dwarf army from when I first got into wargaming, but didn't have the skill and technique to pull it off. And I'm greatly enjoying it, but in future projects to get armies done or to do other things aside from Kings of War miniature painting, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely looking to do more of the speed painting techniques, even the potentially controversial <gasps> the slap job, slap job method. Yeah. So Greg, so. if you do go for the slap job method, I, I got some new dry brushes recently and then I, Hopefully we'll be getting another set for Christmas. We'll see about that. Um, but I we'll see I, what Santa has to say. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I think you should look at getting some um, hobby focused dry brushes. Uh, yeah. And, and see if they kind of enhance your um, your experience doing the slap chop. Yeah, that's a great idea. So I guess if I had to pick like, I, I don't know, out of all the stuff I've, I've painted, um, as like kind of what was my favorite is probably from the beginning of the beginning of the year. I had started it, you know, like fall, winter of 2021. And then like winter, early spring of 2022, I finished my first horde of uh, shield breakers, which is the old minor miniatures. And I used right as just as a unit filler because there's no equivalent in the dwarf list to a gyrocopter. It's just flying overhead. And that was really fun. And that, you know, it, it's like he it, it works so. And that, I mean, it represents 40 miniatures. There's, there's no way I'm putting 40 <laughs> miniatures on there. You know, you I'm talking about painting one or maybe at most two a week, like 40. Come on. But there's, <laughs> there's over 20. And then there's a gyrocopter, which took a long time. And so to see that come together was really exciting after painting one by one all, all the way through. Sure. And so uh, I think all the units I've done so far look good. Um, but that one's personally my favorite just because it was the biggest uh, effort. Yeah, I think Greg, um, that's a plus and a minus of Kings of War. You know, the, the nice part about having, um, those miners represent shield breakers is that you could choose between hammers or long beards or, uh, miners or anybody with a two handed weapon from your Warhammer range to fill that unit. Right, so you've got right. options, right? The, the flip side of that is that those things all used to be distinct units. And so now they're not unique anymore. But I think you could look at that as either a positive or a negative, depending on your well, that's, your modeling perspective. Yeah, and see, that's interesting too. So, like, I've been, of course, I have a list that I'm working towards, and then the, right. the you know new book came out, and so I modified my list, and then 
I'm still painting things and then I modify my list anyway. Cause that's what you do. You just like make changes all based on theory and not actual play. <laughs> right, right. I mean, the, plenty of people, uh, you know, actually play test things, but I just sit here and paint. Um, but I want my <laughs> units to be distinct. So I have now I have two regiments of iron guard, which are the defense six melee three, like elite dwarf uh, unit. And right. so, one is represented by the Iron Breaker miniatures, the one I, I just finished, and that makes sense. You know, they're fully encased in Gromerl armor. They got shields. The other unit is comprised of Longbeards, who do have the two-handed weapons, but they also have shields, and they have chain mail, and they're helms. You know, they're very armored. But I want, I want to have distinction between those units, right? Because right. in my mind, these are long beards and those are iron right. breakers. Right. So yeah, yeah. I, in every list I write, the unit that is represented by the long beards has an item that I'm ah. sure you've never used and never seen anyone use. And I think if memory serves, it's called Liliana's Tear. Yeah. Life. Which is a five point item. That, that no, it makes you immune to like you ignore brutal dread and shattering ah yeah. like and the, the, the old grumblers similar, who were yeah. in, in warhammer days were immune to panic because it's like been there oh, done right. that nothing phases me right mm -hmm. i've seen it all um so that's what i'm thinking and then like the miners uh, are shield breakers but i've given them well, previously it was Potion of the Caterpillar. <laughs> now Those it's Boots of Striding. Because, you know, they got their picks and they're adept at like sort of chopping through the terrain right. kind of thing. And and the gyrocopter flies overhead. So he can like shoot and clear a path for them to, to run through is right. the idea. And then I've seriously been debating flipping back and forth with the list because I, I have hammerers and I'm going to use those too. And... I might use them as a second regiment of um, or a second horde rather of shield breakers. And I would either just run them plain because the miners are already differentiated with their item, or I might give them like elite or something because they're more elite troops Yeah. or because they do have shields and full plate mail. I might run them as a regiment because then I don't have to paint as many of iron guard <laughs> and give them brew of strength. So they're also iron guard, but they have, you know, they're, they hit harder. They yeah. hit harder. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. And that would be represented. Yeah. That makes sense. So yeah. I, I do want to do things intentionally to distinguish the units on the tabletop in a way that, you know, makes sense to mm -hmm. my own understanding of the models and, yeah, if you're listening to this and you're a purely competitive gamer, I'm sorry for boring <laughs> <laughs> and perplexing you. Why are you taking Liliana's deer? <laughs> Why would you put brew of strength on a unit with 12 attacks? Shut up. Right? <laughs> Makes sense to me. It, right? <laughs> so how Ooh. about... Um, over the past year, your gaming experiences with uh, Kings of War gaming or, or other gaming, what were some of your, your highlights or your favorite um, experiences? John, you want to go first? Uh, sure. I, I Gaming experiences. Um, 
I busted out my elf army for Kings of War this year, uh, mm. and I brought them to a couple of GTs. And that was fun because I haven't played with them for a while. It's my best-looking army. Uh, and so that was uh, – uh, what was it? I don't know. Part of it was a compromise in um, not taking what I think was the most effective army that I could come up with. But I just – I wanted to put those models on the table because they're, they're pretty and a counter um, – going completely against the argument I was making earlier about how it doesn't matter, you know, it's still, <laughs> it matters. It, I mean, it matters. Yeah, it matters, I guess right. a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, when you go to a GT and you get like a paint score and stuff like that, I guess it matters there. Uh, you know, I feel, feel good about bringing my best, my best thing in that sense. Sure. Um, and so I had really fun time at a couple of GTs with, I think kind of a subpar army list. Um, but I just, I played, I played really great people. At those events, um, I'm thinking mostly the pilgrimage and the dead of winter. That's where I brought my elf army to uh, yeah. la last winter. Um, but I had really great games. I played great people. Just had a really good time. And I, I think I won best painted at both of those events, if I remember correctly. Um, and so that was fun to just like bring that army out. I had painted two, yeah, two new units for it that had never played with before. I finished off a horde of palace guard and painted a regiment of kindred glade stalkers mm. um and so it was fun to add some things to the new army and 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 play with them um and i won a couple of awards and so that was kind of a really rewarding experience i guess to take the elves out even though i knew i wasn't going to win all my games um but just kind of go in for the, the hobby of it um, yeah i think i think that was my highlight it, it was fun it was fun to bring the elves out i i think this this coming year i will I, I might keep playing with them, to be quite honest. I'm not. I'm not quite sure yet. Again, I don't think they're the best choice, but um, they look good. So, yeah. You know. yeah they're, they're certainly not bad. <laughs> they're they're not bad. Like, it's not like they can't win a game. That's for sure. Um, right. They're just. I I really think they're they're definitely not optimized either, and that's okay. Right. Yeah. That's... Right. I I I think one one of the things that we all three of us have in common is it's very hard for us to chase the meta. Because yeah. of, of how slow we paint, either because we're bad at it or because or because we're great at it, right? You decide who's who, right? But I think that, <laughs> right? But that 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 is that is one of the things where you're saying that yeah, the the elves probably the elven army that you took oh, may that's not be true. cutting yeah. edge, but I think elves are in a really good spot right now, you know, based on all kinds of stuff. But you know, that's a different animal. Yeah, that's a, yeah. a different color. So, totally, totally. Yeah, the stuff that I took, I didn't feel like was was very optimized. But I still had fun playing the games. I'm not super concerned with winning all my games either. So that's that's fine, right? Sure. Um, uh, yeah, and then you get to take the army you want. If if chasing the meta is a thing that uh, none of us do, right? Um, even though Greg and I have both speed-painted armies, neither of us have done meta-chasing speed-paint. Uh, right, <laughs> right. You know, like I paint a bunch of arch fiends, and Greg paints speed paints uh, goblins in his ogre army. So, like, we're doing yeah. It wrong. You could look at it and be like, "Oh, ogres are near the top." Greg, look at Greg; he speed painted an ogre army. And then you look at what I took, and you're yeah. like, oh, "No, <laughs> no, <laughs> questionable." <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. So maybe maybe next year, Greg will speed paint um, night stalkers and uh, our crossroads uh, team yeah. next year we're going yeah it's yeah. it's gonna be speed painted the, the toughest stuff we could find <laughs> i love it i love it give me give me the net list i'll paint it whatever it is right it's fantastic 
Yeah, how about you, Mike? Um, I I have a specific story in mind. I we went to the Masters this year and uh the Masters was what it was. Um Seattle is gorgeous. And hiking was great. <laughs> yeah, right. Um but I had a I had a fantastic my first game at the Masters was against Tyler Tyler Schultz and I had a fantastic game against Tyler. I mean just really a very fun game. You talked about it. He was playing forces of nature, right? No, no. He was actually taking. Uh, he was taking ba- Basilea, and oh. he had a you know he had a, a high paladin on a dragon. He had a whole bunch of infantry. I had a whole bunch of infantry with the Galax Fury. I was like, this is the kind of army I want to play. It looks like two armies on the table, right? Oh, right. And just it was. Uh, it was. It, he had his dragon in a spot, and I'm going to regale you with the story. He moves the dragon up into the woods. I have all you know my 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 dwarf list is a bunch of infantry and a bunch of sharpshooters in the back and dogs. So I move up, I release all the hounds. I'm, you know, it's eight, eight attacks on each one. I don't care if you're in the woods. I hit you on four, right? 32 attacks. I hit them like 12 times. I do like six wounds. I'm like, Mm. Oh no. I shoot them with the handguns. I'm like, boom, boom, boom. I put on like four wounds. I'm like, Oh no, I need a nine twice. That's all right. I got garlic. I'll shoot. Golic moved. The guy's in the woods. I need sixes. I pick up the 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 dice. I hit him seven times on sixes. Mm. Yeah, out of twelve. On a twelve. Seven out of twelve on sixes. sixes. And then I do enough wounds to to just get the break and and remove the dragon. And I sit down in a chair like Admiral Akbar. And I'm like, oh, thank God, right? So, (laughs) So, and he took that like a champ, like a champion. He's like, oh, that totally stinks. I was really gonna do something, but there's no dragon here anymore, and just. The banter that we had during the game, it also helped that I had a story at the back end of it. Um, it was really great. It was a fantastic experience. To, I, I played him. I played uh, uh, DeRose, and I played um, uh, Garrett Mercier off in the mountain over the course of the weekend, and all those games were great. All three of those games were fantastic. Those are, they were such good dudes. So I, I want to highlight that again. That was, I think, the gaming highlight that I had uh, when it comes to Kings of War on the table. It was, it was fantastic. Right, That's cannot awesome. say enough good things about those dudes. Yeah, yeah. We we talk a lot about Masters as being a really good experience. A lot of it is about the uh, the people you meet and the games you get to play and stuff. So that's yeah. that was your highlight for the year, though. I mean, that speaks very highly. I, I think so. I think so. Right. It, not counting running running my first event and all the other stuff, but I think on the table that was that was the best one. Cool. Yeah. But how about you guys? How about Greg? Right. Yeah. Um. Well, I was going to say that my gaming highlight uh, was beating a bunch of uh, nameless faces and rising to the top and, you know, winning Unplugged GT and coming in third at Crossroads. But now I feel bad because you were like, I talked about this great game with my friend. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like I smashed skulls in one. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't want to speak to all the people that aren't here. However, Jake won Crossroads the year before, did a victory lap, and then was like, I'm done podcasting. So, like, you're in great hands right now, if that's what you might have said, right? You just dropped the mic and rode off into the sunset. No, no, that's, that's a, that's a joke. Not about the, the success. That was great. But my opponents were also fantastic. And I remember round five of unplugged and I was playing Corey and I was like, man, do you, this is great. Like, look at the two of us on table one and last round. This is awesome. And it, we had a really fun kind of, uh, chill game. Not as, uh, uh like, uh, 
nerve wracking and intense yeah. as you might imagine table one to, to sometimes be. Um, and I, and I do think we, we did great at crossroads as we talked about on here coming in third and, and I was on the team, but you know, John and, and Keith, the, the U S master were, were pulling, <laughs> pulling the weight. I was just kind of there <laughs> with Jim, but you know, so that was awesome. Um, but also, uh, unplugged GT, you know, it was nice to win the event. It was nice to run it at, uh, TJ's, which is a, a great new spot for us. Mm, that um, was where we're going to be back this year. Yeah, yeah. That, that was fun to kind of go to a new space and have it really yeah. be successful and, and have a good relationship there. Yeah. And it was also, um, it was really just personally gratifying for me to, have done something I've never done, which is put an entire 3000 plus point army, uh, just up for a raffle, you know, because we, we wanted to, uh, do something good to, to support a charity. And I really didn't know, um, how that would be received, but I mean, obviously I knew people would buy raffle tickets and they would want to win an army, but yeah. um, the fact that we raised, uh, you know, well over a thousand dollars was incredible. Was and a lot of that came from folks who were new into the hobby. And um, it's just that we talk about it all the time. But the scene, the community we have around um, the Northeast uh, United States, Kings of War, both at tournaments and then people who don't go to tournaments as much, but still play in the local scene. It's just such a good group of people. Um, and so it was nice to, to see that all kind of work out, you know, cause there's always part of you that's like, what if I just put this army up and we raise $50 and I'm like, Oh, <laughs> that was kind of a failure. So, yeah, so it was, it was really nice. It was, was worth really it. Nice. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. I just, I want to, I want to piggyback again. I, I think I mentioned this at Crossroads. We as a community in the Northeast raised, I think after Corey's, um, charity was done we raised forty nine hundred dollars for charity five grand between wow. all of us at, at our events i mean that is it's incredible that's yeah. amazing right just just a testament to how awesome how awesome things are and i know that that idea of, of uh targeted gamer philanthropy is catching on in other spots too i'm not going to say that we you know i stole a bunch of good ideas from what they were doing down south and in other parts of the country but it's it's certainly awesome right seeing the generosity of the community it just it, it totally rules totally yeah i've done um not recently but in the past i've done uh charity events for like food drives for the local food shelter and stuff like that yeah uh, it's always been successful so i remember i showed up i showed up at a uh, a food shelter one time with uh, a whole like my pickup truck the whole bed of the truck was full full with food and i was like here the you know the local the local board gamers or whatever they didn't know who we were you know but i was like hey we got a donation they were like what what you guys play toy soldier games what yeah like yeah that's us yes we have disposable income yeah right plastic crack ain't cheap kid yeah. right so awesome yeah so uh we're you know we're gonna talk more about kings of war and uh our love for this great hobby. And of course that's the driving force of the podcast, but we would be remiss if we didn't also talk about our other loves of, of books and, and other nerd media. So uh, thinking back on all the books that you've read in 2022, uh, what was your highlight? All right. I'm, I'm going to go first. I, uh, I may have a little recency bias here, but um I, well, no, I, I was going to say the lost metal by Brandon Sanderson, but I don't think I actually think that was my favorite book of the year. 
the um uh the uh, the thousand names is the book that I'm going to recommend to everybody that I read the, over the course of this year. It is uh uh gunpowder fantasy set in a quasi Napoleonic um you know uh war setting and it is extremely well done. It is very well written. Um, they got the military notice notes just right. They got the fantasy notes just right. It is, it is fantastic. I cannot recommend it enough um, to people. And Greg, you'll be happy to know that I just started um, the city we become became. I started, oh. I started that yesterday, and it oh. is, it's got the hooks in me, dude. It's got oh, <laughs> <laughs> this is wonderful. It's so good. But so that's well. Fine. Well, yeah, I guess I'm going to go next then because I'm going to talk about The World We Make, which is the sequel to The City We Became. <laughs> and uh, I do, I, yeah, also like you, I was like, is this recency bias? This is one I, I finished uh, not too long ago. But it, it, it was so good. And so, first of all, a couple things. The book is by N.K. Jemison, who is a highly uh, awarded and celebrated fantasy sci-fi author who until I read the city we became, I had not um, been exposed to any of her work. And I know other folks and including Jake have, and, and our friend Noah have talked about her books. Mm -hmm. So I, I really enjoyed it. And the sequel, the world we make came out this year. I enjoyed it even more. I think uh, it, it, it's perhaps even a touch better than the first one. And I was gonna, recommend it to you again, re-recommend it to you because this is, I think the term for it is a duology. It's just two books. It's not a oh, trilogy. Perfect. So, so the, the story is wrapped up. I think there might be in the future, more books in this universe and setting, but, sure. but the story that started in the first book is very much concluded in the second book, which is great. And so I talked about the city we became uh, before it's kind of, uh mashup of like what if uh it takes place in like the recent future and uh, the near future and and you know what if cities were actually living beings and they had avatars which were like people who have uh to make a comparison to the dresden files because everything makes sense when you you know think of it in dresden files terms yes when harry's on the island he has intellectus and he knows things that a normal human wouldn't know, like how many trees there are and right. what animals are walking where. And so, so like the avatars of the cities have that. And basically there's like this interdimensional enemy who's trying to stop the cities from um, being born in the first place and then thriving. And, you know, New York City has to uh, fight her off with the help of some other uh, world cities. Right. And I, I don't know, Mike, are you doing the audiobook? No, I'm, I'm reading, uh, just reading on my Kindle. Okay. So I would, uh, you know, I do both. I read things on my Kindle. I read paperback and hardcover and I do audiobooks. This is one that I really, really, really recommend the audio. Um, the first one, but also the second one, the production value on this is just incredible. Uh, there's lots of elements added to it aside from just the, the narration there's sometimes music in the background. There's like city noise, you know, so you might hear okay. traffic when they're outside. There's like sound effects put on where when people are talking over 
you know, a, a landline telephone. It sounds like they're talking over a landline telephone. Oh, that's cool. Um, the the enemy is like this sort of interdimensional presence, and when they are talking, it gets like kind of glitchy, and it, I don't know exactly how to describe <laughs> it, but it just works. That's awesome. Um, and so it's and it, it's just really well done. And then the narrator whose name is uh, Robin Miles, does, from what I've heard of years of listening to audiobooks, just like the best job of handling so many different accents because the book is set in like, you know, modern day New York City. And so it's a very diverse place with characters that have specific like borough accents, mm. you know, uh, but also like uh, are immigrants and have different um, foreign accents. And just she she pulls it off really well. Um, so I would recommend uh, cool. if folks haven't gotten into this yet and you like audiobooks uh, to check out the audio version. Awesome. So, so there we go. Yeah, buddy. Excellent. John, how about you? What do you got? Uh, not a great year for me in terms of books. Um, I did read a couple on paper, which is unusual for me. And so maybe I'm having a bias towards the actual books I read. <laughs> mm. um, the Last Watch was, I think, the favorite one that I read this year. It was It's a space, like a space opera. Um, really well done. Good story. Good pacing. Um out of genre for me, not not something that I would usually read, I guess. And so that was kind of fun. Um, it's a one-off. As, as I, there may be others that come out eventually in that world, but not really part of the storyline. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I enjoyed that one quite a bit. I think this year, I, I mean, I also read the entire first Mistborn series, which was great. Yeah. Um, but also nothing new. I mean, it's, it's been around for a while. And I did sure. pick up recently the second series, all four of them but I haven't read it yet. Okay. I, that's the one um, I just finished. It's uh, yeah, I, I was very impressed with it. Yeah. I mean, everybody said that the first three were good. And then I know the last one just came out a couple of months ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, so I will get to that, that, that one. I'm definitely important. I really like Miss Bourne and I was, I liked it so much when I was reading it that I was telling my wife about it. And she's like, oh, I want to read that. So I'm trying to Ooh. convince her to read it too. So we can um, just, just talk about it. She reads a lot of like political stuff. Sure. Um, and I'm not into that at all. So we don't, I don't know. We're, we're just not connected on the things that we're, yeah. we're reading or listening to because she's very involved in, in that. And I'm not at all. Um, so, so if I could get her to read Mistborn, I think she, I think she would like it. Uh, and we could talk about it. So. Right. Yeah. I, I loved it. So I, I, I thought that, I thought that series was very well put together. Every time you think you know what's going on, you sort of do, and then you don't. <laughs> right. Like, yeah, yeah. 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 That was very good. Yeah. yeah that's, Excellent. That's, that's me. Yeah. So, how about uh, other media? You know, you talk about anything that stood out to you podcast, video game, movie, TV show, YouTube channel, et cetera, et cetera. I, I have two. I have, I have a show and I have, a, and I have a, a podcast. So, well, let's hear them. So, the podcast that I, that I, um, just started listening to, and once again, recency bias. But over the course of the year, I haven't actually dove into new stuff. Um, uh, but uh, it's called um, The Story of the Week. 
story of the W E A K or W E E W E E K yeah W E E K story of the week and it's uh it's guy by this guy Joel Stein um and essentially his shtick is he uh he you know reads a bunch of stuff and then if if there's a special article that he wants to highlight from another author he brings the author on to talk about the article that they wrote and usually it's a it's a it's an article that has to do with um something either quirky or some sort of investigative journalism or something like that we're like you know digging into a story right um and it's it's really good because it's only about half an hour and i don't have a subscription to the atlantic or the new yorker but this allows me to get access to those to those stories uh in a very digestible format and i i, I like it quite a bit I, I binge listened to it it was um i'm all caught up now it's it's quite good nice yeah it's quite good story of the week uh by joel stein and then um for tv uh i watched andor this year and i could like, on disney plus and i actually think it is one of the best star wars things i've ever put in my eyeballs oh period period really good it, yeah it is it is so good and so it um it, it for people who don't know what it's about if you saw the sh if you saw the movie rogue one which i think is the best star wars movie except for empire um and i think empire is better because of nostalgia but uh one of the leader one of the rebel leaders is a guy cassian andor and it talks about the show follows his normal life and what his life is like when the empire takes over his planet and then um follows his story from just a dude to a rebel how he gets brought into the to the to the rebellion and and uh, over the course of twelve episodes, it is very. Um, in the beginning, I was like, "Wow, that's kind of slow paced for a Star Wars thing," because I was expecting way more lightsabers. But it's just he's a dude on a planet working on a mining planet, and something goes wrong in the first episode, and he has to hide from the police. And it's it's uh, and you can see the Empire just ratcheting down onto the onto the planet, and you see the tensions rising, and so it's. It's paced kind of slow, but it also I couldn't take my eyes away, and I was totally invested in everything because it ramps up the tension right from the beginning. It is uh, really well done. It is very well done. Excellent storytelling. And, uh, and, and there's uh, there's one season. Yeah, there's only one season. Right yep. And how many episodes? And like how long are the episodes? Uh, Twelve episodes. They're about fifty-five minutes each. So you know, if if unless you have the flu, you're not going to binge watch it. Right. But, <laughs> you know, but it is it is certainly worth your time. It's it's I found it to be amazingly good. Amazingly good. But that those are my recommendations for the year. How about you guys? Uh I don't watch TV. Uh so hardly ever uh movie. I might have watched three or four movies this entire year, if I'm being honest. Um I'm right. just not one to sit in front of a television. But I listen to music. A lot. Um, I'm big into heavy metal, um, and there's been a couple of bands I discovered this year that are really kind of been put on the map for me as okay. as as uh, important <laughs> for my heavy metal experience. And so a couple of them are um, Spirit Box. It's kind of a newer band, like a I don't know. I've heard people call it vibe metal. Um, really, okay. just kind of unique, unique tracks. Um, how would I describe what they sound like? Um, it's a shame you can't do like we're not we're not sophisticated enough to do like a drop. 
Yeah, I probably could put like a soundbite in into the uh, in between on the editing or something. But um, Courtney LaPlante, I think, is the name of the singer. She does a really good, like, clean, heavy vocal transition. Mm. Um, so they're really cool. They've only got one album out and then maybe some some singles. Um, Do you say it was, it's called Spirit Box? Spirit Box, yeah. Okay, okay, cool. Yeah. I'll look and their songs tend to be on the shorter side, um, so they're kind of you know, like the the album they have. The songs are maybe three minutes long each, mm. which is pretty short for a metal act. Sure. But again, this is like a vibe metal. It's a little bit different style. Um, so that's kind of cool. They've been they've been really neat. Um, one that continues to impress me is um, uh, Machine Head. Okay. Put out a new a new album this year. This is really good. They Machine Head's been around for a long time, and they. Uh, you know, I think maybe it was the late 90s. They went through like a rap metal phase, like a lot of bands did, trying to make it through, like through the th- these um, grunge era and out into something new. And there was new metal. Sure. But Machine Head kind of emerged as a really strong, consistent, good act for very, very like heavy emotional music. Okay. Um, and so their new album is called uh, Slaughter the Martyr. No, it's called Of Kingdom and Crown. The, the, the single is called Slaughter the Martyr. Okay. Um, it's a really good album, though. Again, it's, it's, it's very heavy, very driven. Um, so just two, two kind of bands that have kind of impressed me this year. There's some others that I thought were really interesting. Um, Seventh Wonder and My Wrath are two others that I kind of latched onto that are newer for me. Okay. Um, but yeah, I know. It, it's a little bit harder. I think everybody will connect more with the TV shows. Like, everybody's going to know Andor. Very few people are going to understand the, some of these bands that I Please. listen to. But, but right now, probably at least a couple listeners are like, oh, yeah. Dude, like, you know, they're very excited to hear a band that they like being discussed Absolutely. on the podcast. Yeah. Right. Uh, and others, you know, might might uh, go add that to their playlist. They might. So, yeah. So a couple of, couple of bands that I'm interested in, you might want to check those ones out. Word. That's awesome. Uh, for what it's worth, just the other two that I want to call out real quick. Myrath is a is not a new band, but they are. I'm gonna Arabic metal, Arabian metal. I, okay. I'm not really sure the political correct way to say that, but it's sure. really cool combination of these like Middle Eastern sounds with a heavy metal vibe. Really. Um. So very 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 cool. They've got a couple albums out there, awesome. And another was Seventh Wonder, which is, um. What's his name? Tommy Trail, I think. The the singer from Camelot. It was his previous band. Okay. Uh, and so they've got a, a very, it's like very classic. Um, not what would you call it? Not power metal, prog metal, maybe. Okay. Something like that. Anyway, very very cool band. He's a really awesome vocalist. Um, so that's like his side project now, I guess. And they've got a couple of really cool albums out as well. So sweet. Yep. Some John Vanoss metal, if you're interested in uh, that kind of stuff. I am. Awesome. Yeah, lay it on me. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm going to go two categories as well. Um, I'll start with movies because no one else went there. Uh, as I've said before, my wife and I have a love for going to the movie theater. We go frequently. Um, I can tell you that in 2022, uh, we went to the movie theater or I went to the movie theater 30 times. Whoa. And, uh, probably it's December. Tw- what is it? 21st, 20th yeah. right now. 20th. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go at least two more times before the year is over. Cause there's some stuff out now. I want to see. That's uh, awesome. So I've seen a lot and all of it were new releases with the exception of the 20th anniversary of eight mile. <laughs> which 
we went to see which wow. john that's that's the movie that eminem made um okay. not a great movie but it was fun but you went to anyway see it multiple times nevertheless well <laughs> I, I hadn't seen it in theaters the first time around so obviously right. i had to correct that egregious <laughs> error yeah yeah um, totally had to do that <laughs> so i'm looking through the list and like there were a lot of good movies this year i think it was a good year in general for movies um a lot of what I saw and what I liked happened to be sequels. I don't think any of these were necessarily the best of the year, but like uh, Black Panther Wakanda Forever came out. That was mm-hmm. very good. Um, Glass Onion, which is a, the sequel to Knives Out, is very, very good. There was uh, a sequel to that. streaming now. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, Daniel Craig as like the Southern Gentleman detective is hilarious and very it's, good it's and not the same story it's a different story no it's a different characters. story okay. uh it's the same detective but a different you know case and a different cast and it's again it's like a big ensemble cast and right uh, okay it, it's very well done it's called um, what it's called glass, glass onion. onion glass yeah. onion all right that's something that i could watch with my wife that you know yeah, it was very, I think it was even better than the original. Uh, and okay. I liked the original quite a bit. Uh, Top Gun Maverick was great. Uh, that's a, a sequel many, many years, decades in the making. Um, you know, so there was a lot of good stuff. Uh, it kind of pains me to say this because I'm not that big on superhero movies anymore. But I think my favorite release was The Batman. Uh, which I went to see back in March Mm. and I loved it because it was in many ways, it was just like an, not a a superhero movie in the traditional sense. I mean, you know, Batman has always been, um, he doesn't have superpowers. He just has, he he has like (laughs) a lot of wealth and and a lot of tech. Um, Right. But this incarnation is just, I think it's so good. It's so dark. It's so visceral. You don't uh, idolize Batman. You don't want, like, he's not even doing an effective job, right? Of, like, his if his goal is to reduce crime in Gotham City, they they set it out at the beginning that, like, actually crime has increased since he's been patrolling the streets. And and he's (laughs) a very haunted uh, character. And he does go through some personal growth, but it's more of, like, he's tracking a serial killer. It kind of has, uh, we talked about it on the cast way back, but it kind of has like seven vibes. Sure. Um, and, uh, Catwoman uh, really steals the show in this. So it's a great movie. If you haven't checked it out yet, I would recommend it. Um, it, it is a bit of a palate cleanser with all of the like in your face, uh, Marvel and other superhero movies that we've been bombarded with. Right. For- Right. Years and years and years and years. Um, so I really like the Batman. Uh, my wife, I, I will give her favorite movie a shout out of was The Black Phone, which was one I really enjoy when we Black go to see Phone. a movie and I don't have high expectations. I don't really know much about it. And then it ends up being excellent. So this was uh, came out over the summer. It's uh, like a suspense thriller, kind of a horror it's set in the 1970s and they do a really good job of like hmm. um, uh, putting you into that kind of world. Um, and it's about this uh, serial killer named the grabber who okay. uh, he um, basically kidnaps um, 
kids and uh, they've been missing, but you kind of get the idea that he's killing them. And then, uh, you know, the it's like a brother and sister and the brother gets kidnapped and his sister is trying to figure out what's happened and help him. And he's also trying to um, find a way out of this situation where he's been imprisoned. And both he and his sister have, there's like some supernatural element to it. It, it has a little bit of like a Stephen King kind of vibe. Uh, and it's, yeah, it was really good. Um, They're connected so yeah. or something. Yeah. There's, there's some different things going on. Yeah. Like that. So it was very good and uh yeah very cool yes uh and then i wanted to talk about podcasts uh i don't know if i've mentioned this on here before but i've really been listening to a lot burning through uh this podcast called dear hank and john have i talked about that no no okay so this i i just started listening to it this year but it's been um it started in 2015. There are currently 356 episodes, so there's a lot of content. Oh, wow. Um, it's, it is, so it's from uh, Hank Green and John Green, who are just two of my favorite people. Uh, they do all sorts of stuff. I've talked about Hank Green's novels. I've talked about John Green's novels yeah. on the podcast before. Uh, but they, they do a lot of other great stuff, Crash Course uh, channel on YouTube, um, all sorts of things, mm -hmm. but, uh, their podcast is great. They have really good banter. Um, they're very funny. They're very intelligent. They're very insightful. And it's an advice podcast where they take listener questions and okay. in their own words, give you dubious advice. So they'll pull, you know, a decent number of questions each episode. The episodes last like 40 to 60 minutes. Sure. Um, Sometimes they have interesting special guests. It comes out once a week, every Monday, uh, pretty darn regularly. So you don't, you don't have to go back and listen to old episodes. The way I'm kind of doing it is I listen to each episode that comes out. And then I'm also, I went back to episode one and have been, you know, trying to catch up, which is going to take a long time. Mm. Um, but you don't absolutely don't have to do that. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just very good and very funny, and it, it's it's something to listen to when, uh, you know, you're doing other things, be it driving sure. or painting or chores or running, et cetera, et cetera. So, dear awesome. Hank and John, cool. So why don't we uh, take a quick break and then come back and talk more Kings of War content? Yeah, let's do it. gears here back to kings of war what was uh everybody's favorite kings of war related release from the year it could be miniatures rules something else i don't know you know what came out what was new this year that got you excited 
So for me, the uh, there's there's two things that come to mind, and and uh, they're both mini related. I know that I have been um, pretty uh, down on a lot of the Mantic releases and how they look, right? But um, I really think that the new uh, Salamander line that they came out with this year is is worth looking at. I think it's very good. I think it's very well done. Um, Corey bought some of the minis and he showed them to me, and I was it, I'm very impressed actually with how they go together. Um, I think they're really good. They they show a massive step forward for the company. Um, in terms, in of, terms of like quality, in terms of the quality of the mini, yeah. And actually, I like the way they look too. Right, I I really do. I think there's a lot to them. Um, yeah, I would I would echo that. I think you know I've seen Corey's photos of Corey's tyrants. I think they look awesome. I've mm. seen. Um, the rhinosaur cavalry in person and those yep. look really good yeah it's just and i you know i like the basic the original salamander infantry i know people have some complaints about those models but that you know first unit i painted for my forces of nature and i i stand by them they're great minis <laughs> right yeah i i think I, like i said i think they're just um head and shoulders right above I mean, you compare them to like the dwarf range, right? I think the steel, I think the 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 steel behemoth is good. I think the juggernaut is good, um, but I don't really, by and large, I don't really care it, for yeah. their infantry, right? In a lot of their a lot of their lines, and I think they really did an excellent job with that. You know, I would. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing some of Corey's stuff in person. Then I have. I know I've seen some of the pictures of it, but uh, it's different when you see it in person. You get yeah, better, the... better sense of like scale and stuff. You know, right? Exactly. Well, my favorite release of the year was Mike's book. How <laughs> dare you? How dare you? Right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, huh? Uh, no, I think, I don't know. <laughs> Shots fired. Uh, so punchable right now. <laughs> I don't know if um, it came out this year, actually, or if I just played it for the first time this year, but I really enjoy Armada. I think that probably came out last year, but I didn't play it till this year. Right. Uh, so, so for me, it was new this year. Um, but I, I think that's a really fun adaptation. And 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 they came out with new new sets for it. They recently published a uh, like a deal where you could get just the rules. It was like a starter starter set with like the just the map and the rules and the tokens uh, and like one ship or something like that. Yeah. Um. And I I've only played it a handful of times, but I really like the game. I think it's just very fun. Um, and so I'm glad they did a Kings of War themed game. Yeah, me too. Me too. I know that I, I am, uh, I read through the rules. I think the rules set is really tight, um, but I haven't had a chance to play it. Right. To, regrettably. Uh, you, you, know. you should sometime. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's it, you know, it's not something that I would want to play competitively. Like it's not, it's not Kings of War. Right. Right. But, but for a, for a sit down and have some beers and play a cool game where your ships get blown around by the wind and you're trying to, you know, shoot and ram each other and stuff. It's very fun. Mm -hmm. Right. I know, I know for dead of winter, we're going to have a, uh, a, a local pathfinder is going to be there doing demos of Armada, uh, at night. Oh, cool. Yeah. So that'll be good. Greg, how about That's you? Awesome. Uh, for me, you know, I, unsurprisingly, I was really, um, pleased with the the new book that they put out the big red book and mm. uh, there's some 
qualms that people have with some of the changes they did or didn't make and some qualms people have with the the companion app that they've launched but i really like that i like the ease of um the way the rules are set up and being able to sort through them especially from having like purchased their digital rule book in the past and it's just been a pdf which is more cumbersome to navigate this is very easy um, I like, you know, I, at first, you know, cause I'm a creature of habit. I was like, oh, man, this is an easy army. It's foreign. I don't like it, but I, <laughs> I like the list builder. So, and, and the, really the standout for me, and you know, we talked about it a bunch, uh, you know, the previous episode, but the ambush rules I think are great. I think it's also great that, um, Jake hasn't been on the podcast because he has been, uh, in a non-public way raging about I wrote rules for Kings of War on a flash and they were on dash 28 and ambush is basically just those rules. And why doesn't anybody give me credit? And well, if you were on the podcast, you could have told people that, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) I, I think ambush is, is really good. And I think it's a smart way to try and get, um, beginner games, you know, and, and get people to invest if they've never played a large scale, um, war game like this and the new, the new sets that they've got on pre-order. I don't know if you've looked at those, they're $45. You get rules, you get, um, the equivalent of like a couple, maybe like two regiments and a troop worth of miniatures. And you actually get uh, MDF like unit bases to put them on. Yeah, they've never packaged unit bases in their uh, boxes. Oh, as, yeah, as yeah. As I know. it's, pre- it's pretty cool. smart. It's well done. Yeah. yeah, I think it's I think it's good. And and then even for people like us who are longtime experienced players, it's fun to just have a different way to enjoy the game. Um, and so yeah, uh, I'm down. Like that's a good English. that's a good call out, Greg. I, I think that actually was a, a release. I know I, I missed Harvest of Souls due to a COVID experience, but um, right. I was really looking forward to playing a bunch of ambush. Yeah, I, I think I think that's one of the best things they've come out with, hands down, rule wise. I was when when they were saying they were going to come out with the with the new rule book, you know, the the three point five or whatever they're calling it. I just I remember thinking like this is the one time when I don't really care much about the the changes, you know, the, the minor tweaks to the rules that they usually do. Normally I'm big on the Clash of Kings changes, but this time I was really looking forward to ambush and and the and the mega and the mega the mega games too. Right. And just the the different ways to play it. That's yep. that's pretty awesome. Absolutely. Rossi, you had mentioned that there were two things. So was there something else that you had to share that we yeah, the, passed over you? Yeah. No, no, the other the other the other release from Mantic that I think was was really good. Um, I was going to say the companion. Um, I've gotten in there. I've tooled around in it, and it is. There's a couple things I wish they would make minor changes to, but the functionality in that is very good. Um, and the fact that it's a pretty reasonable price point to to just have a subscription and have all the rules and not worry about carrying a book around. What what is right? the price point for it? Uh, Right now, it's free for the low, low price. Oh, free until the end of right, January. Right. But I think it's going to end up being, uh, what is it, five pounds? Five pounds a month, which I think at, with the current exchange rate is 32 cents American or something like that. So it's <laughs> right. So it's it's not much, 
you know, it's like $7 a month after all said and done. Um, yeah, I think, and I think you can, it's one of those things you could pay monthly or you can just purchase like the year subscription yeah, and it's a little cheaper. cheaper. Yeah. yeah. Right. And but. what is, um, I, I know there was some, there's some tournament like TO functionality in there. And is that working now? Cause I know it wasn't well, last time we looked at it for, there uh, is, but it's, it's a, it, in this instance, I think it's UK centered. So they don't, they don't do soft scores right in, in the in the software there's a couple other things that they just don't do you can't do club immunity the things that we're used to in the way that we run our events here yep. it doesn't really support that functionality so i don't think it's ready for prime time in terms of what we would need right. um but i could see using it for if i was so inclined like a quick one day event with eight people at a local store where i don't care about the soft scores you just need some pairings i just need some store. pairings to just yeah. let it run you know that that kind of a thing you know hey we're all in the same club because we're all here now right that i could see um but nominally they're adding a bunch of more functionality over the course of this year to 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 make it more usable for for the wider community kind of bring it up yeah cool. yeah you know but yeah that's that's my other that's my other big i i really think it's i really think it's going to change change the Haha, <laughs> change the game, but change the way that um you know I approach the rules. Which is good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So looking forward then to 2023, what uh what are we hoping for? What's on the horizon, hobby wise, gaming wise, or future releases, anything. You know, right. what are you looking forward to in the new year? So I'll I'll go first. From a hobby perspective. Uh, the first thing I want to do is uh, get my eyes right, and uh, I really want to paint. Uh, I'm going to say six units this year. Whoa, six hey. units! I, 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 my, my current super burn rate is like two a year, right? I think my average over the past five years has been 1.4 units per year, something like this. It's awful, right? So I want to paint six units. Um, so mathematically speaking, this is a a huge increase. Oh, yes. For you. Yes, so, it's you know yeah. three hundred percent more in the box, yeah. right? Um, so yeah, that's 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 my goal. Now that being said, for shamblers, not that hard to paint. Yeah, for fundamentals, right. not that hard to paint. Right? Yeah, you know, <laughs> so I mean, we're not. Hey, that's just strategy, right? It is. It totally is. Let's be honest. Right? Um, but yeah, I want to do that. The other thing that I am looking forward to, um, well, I mean, just from a hobby perspective, that's that. Not counting the, I, I think we could chunk this into pieces if we wanted to. Um, where we talk about like the hobby stuff and then maybe the events or other things that we're looking forward to over the course of the year. Right. Yeah, definitely. You know, so for hobby, um, you also are going to get 1.2 dwarves done per day, which makes you done, Greg, uh, Christmas time next year. Depending <laughs> on how many hordes you put in play, right? Uh huh. That's right. You know? Well, uh, well, I am committing to bringing my dwarfs to events plural this year Whoa. that is happening uh it is a hundred percent happening for unplugged yeah there is a, well that's a smaller point size so it's you got 1995 mm -hmm. i have i have a path forward i have an exact number of models i have to to paint and then the the unit bases but those those don't take too long um and at the rate I'm going, I'm going to six. I'll meet that with plenty of time to spare. I have an outside. I have this like pipe dream of um, 
maybe I'll get enough done to bring them to Dead of Winter, which is coming up sooner. Man, talk about a stretch goal. Is, is more points. But uh, with kind of the the caveat that, it, you know, that might involve uh, borrowing some miniatures from my Forces of Nature army. Mm. Because a horde of Earth Elementals and or a greater Earth Elemental are in the Dwarf Army and worth a lot of points. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so dwarves. if I had to really had to put them on the table just to be able to use the other dwarfs, you know. Would you consider allying in something? So you only had to get like 1,700 points of dwarves? Uh, no allies. Not for Dead of Winter. Oh. Right. Rossi's just dashing our hopes for Dead of Winter, basically. Uh, I can't bring my allies. Last night on the the hobby hangout, John was like, "Maybe I'll run a, a funky list of elves where I have like seven regiments of um, palace guard." And I was like, "No, John, <laughs> you won't no, do that. No, you ruined everything." I'm not going to say who I was talking to, but I, you know, they they sent me their list. I said, "Hey, what did you think of the army restrictions?" And the first answer they came with was, "Do you really want to know? I hate them." And then it was a diatribe of reasons why. And I said, well, sorry, but at least yeah. you signed up and you're still coming. Ha ha. Now, right. now where I am right. joking around, I do, I do enjoy the restrictions just because it brings forces people to bring something new. And, you right. know, I like that our events, we change up point size. I like that you're doing this to, to change army composition. I, you know, I think it's fun. Try out something new. It's different challenge, yeah. et cetera. But yeah, there's there's a small chance that I could have them uh, for Dead of Winter. When are lists due? Uh, the Friday before. Or, oh, okay. So uh, I the, I don't not, not the Friday don't before, to... but the Friday the, the weekend before the Friday okay, of the so, weekend before. Yeah. So I okay. I have plenty of time. I, otherwise, I'm going to bring my ogres. Yeah. So yeah. So I, I mean, I kind of envision this dwarf project as like. Um, I'm going to get it tournament ready to be able to start using. I might move away from it for a while to do some speed paint stuff, but it's like, I will always have it and always add more miniatures mm. to it. I also have plans, uh, which probably won't happen next year, but I have plans for, uh, elaborate. Isn't the right word because I've seen <laughs> elaborate display boards and yeah. I'm not, on the level of some of the things that people bring, uh, right. which are it, frankly like amazing. Scott Holcomb, is that the, the oh name from the West coast? Like, yeah, yeah I'm like, wow, that is next level stuff. I'm not doing that, yeah. but I have some things already that I've collected that are going to be part of it. And I'm excited for, so there will be a display board element to it. Um, and then I just like the idea of I could always, well, well, I can go and add another unit when I uh, feel like painting up these minis, you know. Right. So it's something I plan to perpetually add to, but at least yeah, I will have it tournament ready uh, in 2023. Sure. That's awesome. Wow. And uh, I'm also, I'm glad that you were talking about uh, being hyped about Armada a little bit and having a demo. Uh, yeah. game situation for Dead of Winter because I um, think I'm going to paint a a fleet, an Armada fleet. I'm looking at Northern Alliance oh, nice. uh, to be what I raffle off this year at Unplugged. <gasps> so 
I, yeah, I can't, I can't raffle off an army every year, but I can do a small project. And so I think an Armada fleet would be fun for me to paint mm. and would be kind of, you know, an easy thing. If you won, you would just be able to pick up and play with it. You could add to it if you wanted to, or you could play it as is. Sure. And yeah. So it could be something that's fun for people who already play Armada and those who don't, but have wanted to get into it. I so, love it. That's awesome. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, I think that's a good idea, Greg. How about you, John? What are you doing? Uh, I wanted to get your guys' opinion, actually. So I have three Kings of War armies that are playable. I, I guess I technically have a Ratkin army, too, that I've never never really used much. Um, but of the Abyssals, the High Elves, or Elves, and the Empire of Dust, what army do you think I should play this year? Oh, man. So... Not committed My, to any of them yet, to be honest. I I think I think your painting would um, the abyssals. I think would be awesome. I think the more that more of those you paint, because you're painting for those is very good. But I think the play style of the Empire of Dust. I think that you were if you decide to do that this year, you would you would wreck some house. Is my opinion. I think that list is very good. I. The Empire of Dust, I have an army. So that army was fired initially, and then I added a bunch of stuff to it. Okay. But it's not 100% playable with just the things that I've added to it. I still have sure. some holdover units from the uh, acquisition, whatever you want to call that. So mm -hmm. Somebody else made yeah. some models. I bought, I bought the army off of them. Yeah. Um, like a kickstart for me. So I would have to... I think add some, I'd have to do some, some work to replace some of the things in it, but they paint up pretty quick. Mm -hmm. um, I was kind of leaning that direction too. I don't know, Greg, do you, you have a thought on? Yeah. I've always liked empire of dust. Um, I have, I have, and we don't really have any empire of dust players in our local meta. Right. We had one, but then he sold his army to you. <laughs> so I I think that would be cool. I mean, recently um, we've been playing with this great uh, guy, Chris, who who is living. I think I, we mentioned in the last episode he's here for a couple of years from the UK for work. Yeah. And he's got a Trident Realm army. And again, like Bart plays Trident Realm, but he's not close enough that close you know enough, yeah. we run across him that often so it's cool to to get games and oh wow because you know you forget sometimes there's a 10 billion armies in this kings of war game right yeah. <laughs> and and we only have so many players and you know sometimes we we all like the same armies so there's overlap um eventually the northeast will just be dwarf players I look forward to the year that we bring eight dwarf armies to masters. And I, I, I'm only half joking. I originally, and K2 was on board, wanted us all to bring orc armies to masters, but yeah. uh, that it doesn't seem like anyone else is on board with painting orc armies, but apparently most of us are painting dwarf armies. Uh, so we can make it happen. Or K2 will just paint enough orcs that he can give us, he can give seven extra armies out. <laughs> like, you take the fight wagon, Greg. You take all the words. I'll take the skulls. Yeah. You take all Sounds the cavalry. Let's do it. Yeah. yeah, that is so. So, amazing. Uh, what was I talking about? Yeah, Empire of Dust. You should. I think Empire of Dust would yeah. be cool, and you I can add too. some new units to it. All right, I'm gonna. I'm gonna live up to this expectation here. I will commit 
to playing my Empire Dust this year. That's the army I'll be adding to and and playing with. I have some units in there that I've never used, that I painted that I've never used before. Wow. Um, so yeah, okay. I do it. Empire Dust. So so Dead of Winter. Um that's the first uh the first will be the first outing for the Empire. Oh, that's amazing. Done. Yeah, buddy. That'd be awesome. Cool. cool. Yeah, agreed. How about for uh how about for events? I mean, besides the, besides we're you know, you guys are coming to Dead of Winter, we're gonna do unplugged. Everyone's going to crossroads. We all know about that, right? Any other thing that any other place where you guys are going? Any other I, events? I mean, Greg, this is probably gonna be a little tough. Anything after June is probably gonna be pretty suspect. It's true. There is a there is an outside chance that I go to I think is it called Bay of Kings? What is yeah. it called? The the, the Bay of Kings. The GT that Brenton runs in San, San, Diego. San Diego. Yeah. So the the nice thing about traveling to GTs with my wife is that we we turn them into little vacations. And so when events are happening in desirable places, it's definitely easier. And San Diego on its own is already lovely. But one of her good friends moved to San Diego a few years ago now. So we've talked about trying to go out to that event. And then she can also spend time with a friend. And that might happen. Uh, right. so we'll, we'll kind of wait and see. Um, but yeah, I'm also looking forward to, uh, in the beginning of January, I'm running a very different type of yes. event, uh, a narrative style event. Uh, I want to go over it in more detail on the next episode. Um, because we've already kind of gone through lots of topics today and we don't want to. Right. up all of our good content on one episode oh. <laughs> what would we talk about in january but um yeah a narrative uh i'm calling it the unplugged monster mash uh and it's making use of some of the new uh rules for creating your own rare monsters and then you can basically everybody gets a custom monster at the beginning and then each round you can earn bonus points to level up your monster in between rounds that's pretty and great so it'll be fun and uh Mike, you posted the information about this somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, on, on, on is it a place that people could could find it if they were listening Absolutely. to this and they wanted to learn about it? Where is yep. that? Yeah. So I posted up on the um, Northeast uh, U.S. Kings of War page uh, on Facebook and on the New England War Kings uh, Facebook page. Beautiful. Right. Yep. And and it's posted on the um, Unplugged Radio Discord. Yep. So if you have access to any of those things, you can go and take a look. Yeah, Tell me what you think. Out. Player yeah. pack is there. And, and if, yeah, and if you live local enough and you want to come, we still have space for a few more. So come on out. Awesome. Yep, it's going to be fun. So, John, is there any place that you're thinking of thinking of traveling this year that's outside um, of the, the normal haunts? I was really considering going to... Uh, California for one of the West Coast events as well. I would I'd really love to get out there. I'm a little bit hesitant because I'm also thinking about going overseas for a little while this summer, and so I can't. I just can't do both of those things. Right. You know, time, right. time, money, all these <laughs> yeah. all limitations. So I need to see what if that's going to pan out or not. Um, if it doesn't pan out, I would. Yeah, I would really like to go to one of the 
California. So that's going to yeah. be, it's kind of on my radar. I just, I can't commit to it quite yet, but we'll sure. see what happens. Right. Yeah. I, I think, uh, for, for me, there's, um, I, I don't see myself traveling very far, uh, just because of the timing of, well, I, I'll be doing the pilgrimage, right. Um, which I think is about as far or, or outside this, uh, the Northeast. I think I'm going to go, uh, if, barring masters, right. If, if that's, if that's, that's the way that things fall, but I don't like, for example, Bay of Kings, I think is like the first weekend or the second weekend of September, which makes it tough. Um, so because the crossroads, well, not just that, but the kids go back to school. Oh, that yeah. week, right. And so it's kind of like, you know, I don't want to disappear and be like, well, I hope you have a great time. I know they're a little older, but still like I've only got a couple more years of being able to support them. Right. Before they go, listen, dad wants you to go away. Right. Um, <laughs> right. So that, that, that timing between that or even like Clash of Kings UK, I think is the eighth and ninth. Right. And I was, I was putting some thought into that, but that's, that's also tough. Right. I don't, how do I justify going to Europe without my wife? Right. So, you know, that's, that's kind of a thing, but I, logistics I, are hard for those long, those it, long ones. Maybe. It is like it's, seriously. If it was one weekend sooner, I I would do it. Yeah. I hands down. I just disappear, right? Um, but you know, I I, I think that that's the other, the other one that we were actually Corey and I were talking about doing was Vanguard. But Vanguard falls on the exact same weekend as Unplugged GT. No, it's the should be the weekend we coordinated this. It should be the weekend before. Oh, either way, I can't do one and then the other. I know, I know. Right. Okay, so it only helps yeah. a little bit. No, it's, it doesn't <laughs> help you. We, like, <laughs> yeah. I did talk about this in advance. We were like, let's not put them on the same weekend. <laughs> yeah, that's smart, right? But, you know, it's it, once again, there'll be a time when I could just disappear for two weekends in a row, but the next couple of years probably aren't that. But I don't know. It's weird. I, it, is it weird to say that you're looking forward to your mid-50s so you can travel more and go play more Kings of War? Maybe. No. Right? I don't know. It's, <laughs> no. <laughs> it's not what I expected back in college when I picked up my first minis, you know? So it's a it's weird how time moves. But that's I, I don't know. I'm I'm looking forward to I mean I'm already <laughs> I'm already laying out the calendar, right? So it's like dead of winter in January. Um there's gonna be unplugged GT, uh the pilgrimage in March, Orktown. Um, Orktown in June, um a Masters in July, the uh um crossroads crossroads and then carnage and so those are like the ones and then you insert maybe the masters or some other thing where i travel in the summertime right and and that's that's your but that's that's a that's a two fistfuls of you got to count that on two hands that's a right? great year it's pretty good that's a great right? year right a good there year, that's right? a lot of good stuff right? on, on yeah. top of all the cool people and everything else right i mean that's that matters here so but so are there any other highlights from the year or things you wanted to mention that didn't quite fit into any of the categories we went over any final thoughts and, and things you want to, uh, you know, speak out into the universe. Yeah. I, I, uh, I, I just want to, I just want to say it again. I say it on every podcast. I think that this is it, one of the best things about, about the game for me over the course of the year has been um, just getting to know people more getting to getting getting like you know um i don't we've had friends who've had kids yep. right then and, and uh, over the course of this year we've had um we we've seen our friends and their families grow and friends that i would not have if they weren't war gamers right if if i didn't know them through this hobby i wouldn't i wouldn't be able to share in that joy right with them and i think that that is really special 
And so to all the all the all the guys we know that have gone through milestones and have had amazing things happen this year, we're I'll speak for all three of us. We are so happy for you. Right. We're we're absolutely. Yeah, we just we, we revel in your blessings, right? So I would say uh, for me, one thing I, I definitely wanted to mention, it's been really fun to continue hosting the um, Unplugged Radio Hobby Hour, which if you haven't heard about this, and I apologize if I don't do a good enough job promoting it, but it, it takes place Monday nights uh, at 8 o'clock uh, p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, and goes for at least an hour, sometimes longer, depending on how many people are there. And there's a there's a good crowd that tends to show up uh, pretty regularly. There's some folks who make intermittent appearances, which are always appreciated. And I did want to give uh, a special mention to Paige Neo, who's been coming for a while now. And it's awesome to get to connect with him. It works out nice because there's a 12 hour uh, time zone difference, but he's able to speak to us in the morning, sometimes hobbying, sometimes like on his way to work the other night on his way to work. <laughs> yeah. Um, That's pretty awesome. And I, I mentioned earlier in the cast that I really don't uh, watch a lot of YouTube, especially the YouTube I do watch is not, um, hobby related but he runs a youtube channel called newbie dice mm. and after talking to him and him sharing some pictures i went and watched a couple of his videos including one where he he showcases all six six of his painted uh kings of war armies which is awesome the man wow. is a, a, a beast for putting out uh minis so yeah it's been really great if you want to join we do it through the the voice channel on discord so if you join the unplugged uh radio discord if you're not on there yet uh get on there if you are look at the voice channel um it's not the one that's filled with people playing age of empires that's another one because <laughs> uh, we have multiple voice channels but yeah, if you join that one they're very nice and you can you know <laughs> you right. can watch them or hear them talk trash as they play age of empires it's <laughs> awesome Cool. Any any other thoughts, buddies? Before we zoom out, and that's been a great year. Yeah, dude, still yeah. doing it. Look, look exactly, exactly. Right. You know, I, I think actually to to point it out right, there was a, some moments of uncertainty uh, this summer when when Jake decided to bow out, um, yeah. and we kind of had to. We took a little bit of time to think about it. We just you know we had to decide. Are we going to forge on or was or was Jake the heart and soul of the podcast? And um, Jake was an important part um, of what we do here. But I'm glad that we decided to keep going onward, forward. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. always great to hang out with you guys. Um, and the community is still great. So I love engaging with the community. So just glad to be here. Absolutely. I, I cannot second that enough. And, you know, as much as as much as we bust your balls, Jake, we love you and and Anytime you want to come back, we're ready for you. Yeah, I, but we are going to keep busting your balls. We're going to say right. it anyway. That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right, gentlemen. Well, thank you. Uh, you know, I hope you and everyone out there listening has an excellent holiday, an excellent New Year. Stay safe and enjoy, and uh, look forward to talking more 
hobby, talking more junk, and rolling more dice uh, in 2023. Yeah, buddy. Right. All right. Be well, everyone. Peace.